0: Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host. Thanks for joining us. We're going to uh, go back in time just a little bit and go back to uh, Chicago, where, of course, we had OIS at AAO uh, just last month. And at that event, I had the opportunity to speak with many luminaries in ophthalmology, including uh, one of the bigger names, uh, Gavin Herbert, the founder and uh, president of Allergan. I had the chance to sit down with uh, Mr. Herbert at our uh, OIS TV studio and uh, do a video interview that we'll have up on our website uh, in just a short time. But wanted to share the audio with you. Uh, just a great story as to how the company came, to get, came together, how he uh, took over for his dad, what his feelings were at the time, and, of course, uh, what transpired later on with the, uh, the appointment of David Piat as, as president and ultimately the, uh, the fight against the Valiant acquisition. So uh, Mr. Herbert obviously uh, has a lot to say. Uh, we were honored to uh, give him a uh, industry tribute award at OIS and uh, very happy that he joined us on this interview. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Gavin Herbert, Jr. Hi, this is Tom Salemi with OIS-TV. I'm very, very pleased to be here with Gavin Herbert, co-founder and president of Allergan. And uh, we just uh, we just received the OIS uh, Industry Tribute Award for Allergan's contribution to innovation and into leadership in ophthalmology. And it's a great discussion up on stage. In that, I think you made a somewhat self-deprecating remark about wanting to make sure you brought in people who knew how to run the pharmaceutical business. And in uh, building Allergan that way, I guess my question to you—we get into that in a second—is this? Which did you want to take over this business? That was open? oh
1: sure, yeah. I, I was excited about the opportunity, but I also I think I realized that I really didn't know anything about the pharmaceutical business mm-hmm. in 1957. I was like 24 years old <laughs> and had just uh, gotten out of the out of the Navy as a corpsman. And uh, I, I said earlier today that I think the best decision. I made was realizing how little I knew and how important it was for me to bring in s- some talent that represented the different s- segments of the business that, that were necessary to,
0: to develop and build did, it. Did you have some concerns about that? I and mean, this is your family's company, you know, you were the one in charge, bringing in people who quote unquote knew the industry more might create insecurities in some people.
1: Well, I, I guess it might in some people, but one of my other objectives was to always hire people smarter than myself. That's
0: a good plan. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good plan. So, and when did you know this was going to be a big thing? When did when did you finally realize? Was it when you brought those people on board? Was it sometime after? Well, that? in
1: nineteen fifty-seven, after seven years, the company was only doing two hundred thousand. I recruited a, a marketing guy that, <clears throat> that had been with Smith, Klein and we put together a plan to introduce the first product outside of uh, of California mm-hmm. and and we had a budget of $50,000 for this whole program <laughs> and so i went down to the bank to borrow the $50,000 and he patiently explained to me we were bankrupt <laughs> But he loaned me the money anyway.
0: <laughs> you it
1: was, so we went ahead with the program, and thank God it worked. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. You must be very convincing. <laughs> and uh, it obviously worked, and, and things took off. And uh, you and I talked at a couple of a, uh, OISs ago, and you had talked. It was actually in Chicago at a different hotel, and you had explained that the first AAO you had been to was small enough to fit in the hotel bed, uh, ballroom. And uh, now, of course, it's as, as large as it is. And that was a great story of mine. The picture I love that I've seen of you recently is standing in the farm field where you built your your plant, <laughs> with a shovel and just like a look of absolute glee, like you're you're about to really build something big. But again, on stage, you mentioned that the analysts thought you were a little uh, crazy. Well, that, I think
1: the picture you're referring to was uh, building a production facility on the site in 19- nineteen. Uh. Fifty-seven, when we went public in 19, uh, I mean, in 1967, we went public in 71 uh-huh. and used the proceeds to build a five-story R&D uh, marketing building. That that was the one that I think the analysts thought we were crazy about,
0: <laughs> was we were only doing 10 million in sales. But was there any med tech down there at all, or was it all farms? I mean, did you really plant the seed? For what
1: well, there, there wasn't any uh, pharmaceutical business in in Orange County, there were some of the uh, IOL businesses began in and around the Pomona area, Uh but we were the first pharmaceutical company.
0: So you see what's there now. It's obviously a a hub of of innovation and of the ophthalmology industry.
1: Well, amazingly now, uh, Irvine actually is the center of research for ophthalmology, I think globally. I believe there's over 25 companies Mm -hmm. in in the Irvine area that... uh, specialized in ophthalmology now. Do you? I mean, do you feel some
0: ownership of that?
1: Well, I think one of the things I'm proud about is that over the years, about thirty or thirty five ex Allergan people have become presidents or CEOs yep. of, of companies. So.
0: Uh, that, and that's a great point. That segues into the question about the leadership. I mean, there is a great culture of of uh, leaders out there from Allergan who learn the Allergan way and they cite it often. How did you build did you build the culture that created the leaders, or did you find the leader, the future leaders, who thrived in the culture, or is it a little bit of both?
1: Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. One of the things that that we've done well from the beginning is spend a lot of time in the field with the customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I used to spend I don't know ten or twenty percent of my time out listening to to doctors. And one of the interesting weeks I had, <clears throat> I was out. And I think I talked to 35 doctors that week. And, and the question was, tell me, doctor, in the in the words of the patient, what is the most common presenting complaint? Well, the words I got back were not, it wasn't a, a medical term like keratitis cica. It was itchy, scratchy eyes, mm-hmm. 17%. And that was the point in which we began to focus on dry eye. Wow. And at that point the market for dry eye products was about a million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course now it's about two and a half, three billion. <laughs> so
0: that's outstanding. And uh and we actually talked talk with Jim Mazo a little earlier today and, and he's obviously he's with Zeiss now. He's uh he's suggesting that he's gonna follow some of the same steps. He's out there talking to people. He said it's his favorite part of the job. It's oh like Jim always
1: has and, and David Pyatt did a great job on that score. He actually knew more people around the world than I did. Of course, David speaks five languages, so he (laughs) had a leg up on that. Hey,
0: everybody, I just want to take this quick break from this conversation with Mr. Herbert to remind you to go to ois.net, sign up for the ION Innovation Newsletter. We'll be sending out content from OIS at AAO in Chicago and you'll, be want, uh, you'll want to be one of the first people to see it. So go to OIS.net if you already haven't. Register for the ION Innovation Newsletter if you're not getting it. You'll get this podcast, others like it, uh, the videos that we put together, and our own exclusive written reports sent right to your inbox. Now back to this conversation. And uh, you had talked also about uh, some of the lessons you learned and maybe some of the missteps you had. Uh, what were some of the more powerful lessons you walked away from in Allergan?
1: Well, I, I do think you learn a lot when you make mistakes. The biggest mistake we made was uh, in an effort to develop another specialty. <clears throat> we had, had chosen the radiodiagnostic area, and uh, I recruited an individual that knew that marketplace, and we we acquired a recently approved FDA product, and uh, it was a technetium generator. It generated in the office these radioactive particles that they, that they use. Well, uh, lo and behold, after about two weeks of the first shipments in there, five of them uh, broke down and leaked radioactive material into some of the most important labs <laughs> in the country.
0: <laughs> anyway, that business didn't stay around too long. <laughs> and did you have, uh, I mean, Jim also talks about and others talk about the fail fast, fail fast mentality. Was that something you adhered to as well?
1: Well, yeah, I think you can, I, I think you can identify losers, uh, fast as, and it's important in research too often. We tend to drag on and on, uh, chasing things that don't work out. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Botox started out, uh, as something we thought might do five or $10 million in, uh, listening to the physicians, it's now being used in 20 different conditions and sales of about $2.5 billion.
0: So that's, that's a great point. We talked a bit about your impact on Southern California on, on creating that industry down there, helping to create that industry. When you look at the ophthalmology sector, obviously there were companies that had preceded yours, but do you see the ophthalmology sector today? Do you feel a sense that you contributed greatly to that and do you feel like it's still the same sort of sector? The technology is different, but it's it's still kind of a, a very um, uh, uh, friendly, sort of a, a collegial kind of industry. At least it, it seems. Well, it
1: is, but I mean, my goodness, it certainly exploded when you look at the the number of new companies that are exploring products in ophthalmology. I mean, at this meeting today, what do we have? Twenty five or thirty presentations, yep. Yep. and that does, does not represent all the companies. They're out there. I think there must be close to 100 companies sure. today pr- pursuing uh, ophthalmic
0: uh, products. Mm-hmm. And do you uh, see the connection with the physicians being the same? I know you're not actively involved anymore, but back then, were, did you feel the connections were a lot tighter with the physicians than they, they are today?
1: Well, obviously, things have changed dramatically on that score. Uh, going back on the earlier days, uh, there You know, they were mostly solo practitioners, and Mm -hmm. uh, they're a fast-dying breed. I think in ophthalmology, it's only, what, 30% or something like that that are solos.
0: And when when Allegan, which was your family's company, went through many transitions, how, how did you feel about those? handoffs to someone else. Obviously, you can't argue with David Piat's results, and I'm sure you were thrilled when he took over the company. But Well, we went through
1: it? a couple of changes. Yep. Uh, after my father passed away, um, we were a public company and the family had, I don't know, 35% control of the stock, but there was a trust involved, and we were approached uh, by a, a European company uh, that wanted to buy us out for cash. And well, at that time, the tax rate for capital gains was seventy percent. Wow! And so I didn't want any part of that. <laughs> and so we went to uh, a white knight, so to speak, and uh, ended up uh, merging with Smith, Klein. Uh, at that time, mm-hmm. uh, Smith, Klein and French, and that marriage lasted for about nine years, and uh, I stayed active and. They were good partners. They left our whole team alone. Compared to today, where they go in and fire everybody, and and so nine years later, uh, a decision at Smith, Smith, Klein was made that they needed to merge with another pharmaceutical company on a basis of equal uh, assets, and that company was Beecham. Well, they had Smith, Klein had more assets than. Beecham in Allergan uh, and uh, the Beckman Corporation. Mm-hmm. So both of us were spun off to shareholders. So here, very quickly, we were public companies again for the second second time. And, and I uh, went back in as CEO for uh, three or four years. And then when I retired, we had uh, another CEO and... He had a different style and strategy uh, than I guess I did or or David did, and it was a period of of uh, slower growth. And the board made a decision to bring in a new CEO, and that was David. And he certainly did a hit, the, hit a home run with
0: uh, with that one. Sure did. And and You're getting the right people <coughs> was, is everything, isn't it? No, nope. that's that was a great lesson. Uh, and and the final. The most recent chapter of, of Allergan, the the, the um, effort by Valiant to, to take it in. I know you were very well, vocal was, in opposition that, of that. Yeah, that was, that was very traumatic.
1: I mean, Allergan was uh, growing at 15 to 20 percent. We had a good balance sheet. In fact, the balance sheet was too strong, and uh, without getting into the, the details of the uh, valiant situation was you know I was totally against it and uh and for reasons that turned out to be correct that mm-hmm. you can't you can't build a pharmaceutical company by firing half the people and they want to cut our research budget from fourteen percent to two percent <laughs> that uh, didn't exactly fit well so i think I think the outcome uh, with the new allergan uh is certainly better than Valiant, although I I would have certainly preferred to have remained independent. But I think the marriage is going to work out okay.
0: Yeah, it was a nice balance, yourself and David and Bill Murray up there on stage. And you must have been thrilled that they kept the Allergan name. I can guarantee you I lobbied for it. (laughs) (laughs) As you should have. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us today. Nice to talk with you. All right, well, that is a wrap, Mr. Herbert. Thank you for taking the time at OIS at AO to join us. It was a pleasure to have you uh, as a guest, both on our video report, which will be coming out shortly, as well as this podcast. So thanks again. Uh, it was a true, true pleasure speaking with you. To our OIS podcast listeners, thanks again for visiting. I hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation with Mr. Herbert. I hope you're at OIS at AO to see the uh, award presentation. And I do hope you'll tune in next week for another tale of innovation from the OIS podcast.